Broadcasting live from the vulva, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible women talk about horror. My name's Louisa, and I'm joined by my sexy snacks. Mila, Taya, and Zeba. And this episode is all about virginity and the body as horror tropes. But before we get into that, go ahead and follow us on Spotify and or subscribe to us on YouTube and the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram, at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. We'll be starting with the 2007 horror classic film Teeth, directed by Mitchell Lichtenstein. Then we'll be discussing the 2014 film It Follows, directed by David Robert Mitchell. Lastly, we will break down the 2016 film Raw, directed by Julia Dussolneau. We will talk about how virginity, the body, and sex are all used as tropes in this film. We will also be diving into the connection between sex and death and horror that we mentioned previously in episode 1, and the castrating effects of women in horror that we explained in episode 2. Get ready for a bite because this episode has teeth in unexpected places. Enjoy. Anybody have any weird body stories? My belly button used to be an Audi and now it's an Innie. That's my update of my life. But this happened very recently. I've been an Audi my whole life and I became an Innie like six months ago. Like dead ass, I looked down one day and my belly button was different. If you could have any like weird body superpower, what would you want? Ooh, Elastigirl. Obviously Elastigirl. Speaking of Elastigirl, I saw a TikTok recently where someone was like, can she choose when to be, when she had her children from Mr. Incredible, like, was she able to just, like, elastic the vagina and, like, push, they just fly out, like, instantly, so she doesn't have labor pains? That's so useful. Or is it, like, she can only do, like, her arms and stuff? I feel like she probably did. The most painless labor on earth. I know somebody who has a sexual toe. Like if you, if someone like sucks on their toe, it, um, wait, you're all frozen, which means I'm frozen for you. Can you hear me? You're not. No, I, you're I'm, not unfortunately, we are, we are in all shock. clearing what you're saying. <laughs> so they have a sexual toe where if someone sucks it, they can orgasm through that toe specifically. Not just a foot fetish. The part of your brain that registers feet and the part of your brain that registers arousal are really close together. And some people are just born with that part of their brain, like the distance being closer. It's actually the most common fetish, foot fetishes. It's just people don't talk about it. I just can't relate, but I feel like if your brain is built that way, it's not hurting anyone to like do a little foot I mean, rub. you could be a cannibal. So on the scale of feet to cannibal. I think, yeah. Some kinks need to be shamed, quite frankly. The Monstrous Feminine is on Apple Podcasts, so please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and tell us that you love us or tell us whatever you want. And if you do, you might get a shout-out in a future episode and you can be our Witch of the Week. Our Witch of the Week this week is someone named Midnight Snack. That is so fitting for this episode. <laughs> and they said, they gave us five stars and they said, recent favorite podcast. Love how this podcast knits horror movies and feminism together. Insightful, playful, and definitely powerful. And then they put a bunch of spooky emojis. So thank you so much, Midnight Snack. Thank you. I really like that username. The 2007 film Teeth tells the story of Dawn, an ultra-Christian teenager who is determined to save herself from marriage. Dawn has a reciprocated crush on her fellow Chastity Club member, Toby. The teen's attraction begins to take a more physical turn. 
When Dawn decides she's not ready for that and Toby continues anyway, she receives some help from a pair of teeth down below, ready to bite back. You made a bet about me when I had taken a sacred vow of abstinence. I had a hunch that it wasn't all that sacred. It was, though. Your mouth is saying one thing, babe. But your sweet pussy is saying something very different. Would you want teeth? I definitely want them in my mouth. When we see in the movie when she does have consensual sex, like the teeth don't bite. It's only, they only defend her from rapists, which I think it says like in, uh, in some of the research that I did, it's actually usually used as a cautionary tale to warn of the dangers of unknown women and to discourage rape, which is interesting. Although every single man in this movie was trash. My roommate and I, since we since we saw this movie have anytime we're watching anything now that has a horrible man in it we just say teeth like just this <laughs> <laughs> situation will be made better by teeth <laughs> and then we say nothing else and like it's not that negative because it's not like she was going around just like biting off anyone's dick it was just only rapist's dick so i'm like honestly it would not be the worst thing in the world but does she have to like ever deal with the consequences of like murder like no one ever investigated it to be honest <laughs> would you actually die if someone cut off your dick yeah you'd lose yeah from blood. blood loss you would it's like losing a limb you would die from blood loss really people quick. lived from castration though that's generous, a limb. <laughs> but they like cauterize it and like stop the blood flow. There's a process to it. But I mean, if they like burned it, then <laughs> wouldn't it stop the bleeding? They'd literally be fine. So she can't go to jail for their stupidity. No, she can go to jail. So no, like, you cannot go around cutting people's penises. She didn't off cut it off. It got activity. bit off. What are they gonna do? Be like, open your, open your legs so we can see if you've matched bite marks. <laughs> Who's gonna yeah, ask they that? They, they had a tooth. They could cross-reference that lone tooth. Isn't there DNA in teeth? There has to be. They can match your dental records, but no one would have her dental records. Yeah. One thing that I am curious about in this scenario is because it's like if it's unwanted, the teeth strike, could she figuratively, I don't know, cut off her own hands if she starts to feel repressed while masturbating? No, I feel like it's just... No. Like, I don't think she has, like, that little control over it. We never got to see it. I was expecting that we would get a hand mirror shot. I kind of wanted to see the anatomy of the situation. What I'm curious about is how did it take her so long? Because she does like go to the bathroom and was like, oh no, wait, I have teeth. And I was like, so she's never, I don't know, seen her vagina in the past how many years? That's normal. A lot of people have have and never will see their vagina. But what about when she's wiping? Like after she pees and she wipes, presumably, I don't know, wouldn't it get caught on it or something? They're inside. They're in the vagina. They're not anywhere near the vulva, I think. They're like up there. So she doesn't use tampons, I'm guessing. I don't think she would have used tampons because she was like in the chastity club. And I, I don't know. I mean, obviously you could be chased and use tampons. If the men didn't feel it while she was having, when they were having consensual sex, I think even if she like, you know, used a tampon or investigated herself with her fingers, I don't think she'd feel the teeth either. I'm going to say it's a plot hole because she does, she does like look down in a scene and she's like, oh my gosh. That's because of the diagram. Yeah, she looks at the diagram. She goes to that length to look at the textbook. But then I thought the teeth, later on they present it like the teeth are just inside. Because if they were visible, then no one would have stuck their hand in there. We needed the mirror shot to clarify. 
Also, I just I don't know why she like had to like hack or like get the mirror rub the mirror thing off of her textbook when she could have just googled it because she had the internet. Yeah, that was a weird. Maybe she felt like guilty about doing that. I just thought it was for the imagery of ripping the sticker off and that being like a rep. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there was anything more to it. Okay, I mean the film in general I thought was like not great, <laughs> not good, <laughs> but in it's like it's like an excellent topic. But a kind of a bad film. Like inter- like her Christianity dissolves halfway through. Um, yeah, that's true. Like as a plot, it just goes. Like after she puts the purity ring in the waterfall, she's just like, okay. And then it's just never mentioned again. And I was just like, uh, I'm going to need more. I thought it was because she assumed she was like ruined. Like after. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, think she just like gave the fuck up. It just seemed like a very lazy like, okay, done with that plot. And then it's just not brought up again. I was like, okay, I... sure. This movie also was done by Kenny JD for her bad movies in a beat. So yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of people <laughs> like the movie because it, I feel like it's one of the few movies that have did Vagina Dentata. However, all in all, it's just kind of messed up. For one, they use sexual assault way too many times. Like at this point, I, I was like, I, I don't really understand what you're getting at. Like how, how, why? <laughs> I feel like all of the times that she was, she was like assaulted were referencing how she was like so not about to give it up like she had no intention of having sex she had a really intent that was her identity was waiting till marriage and i think that like all besides the gynecologist that was like its own thing for all the other sexual assaulters in the story i feel like they took it as a challenge like it was all it was all about her virginity and then after that it was all about like the conquest the their stepbrother which i have so weird so weird um I just, the other thing about it, which was kind of bad, was, like, the part where it suddenly becomes consensual with the guy, or it's, like, marketed, I guess, and is, like, oh, this is the consensual sex, so when it's consensual, she doesn't, like, bite him, but I was, like, but that wasn't consensual, and this is how I can tell it's, like, 2007, because she was still, like, sedated for that, and then also her mom was in the hospital, it was just not a consensual situation, so I was, like, even that was rape, but then that in the movie was meant to be, like, oh, okay, so the teeth don't bite when she doesn't want it to. And I was like, yeah, but they should have bitten in that instance too. So I'm a bit like a little bit of a like not great portrayal. Not great portrayal, but I feel like the lore of it, I kept trying to figure out is like, are they an entity separate from her or do they react to her emotions? Because the, okay, there were two, I have some questions about like where the teeth came from. They always show that their house is behind a nuclear power plant. They are constantly letting us know that i'm like is there something in the water did something happen to her as a kid in that like pool when the teeth first came out like was it the hose water i'm not sure but they i felt it it was weird they showed that nuclear power plant like five or six times and but then we learn about the vagina dentata like myth and then i'm like okay is it an evolutionary defense mechanism that has happened all over cultures so i was confused why they would show those like contradictory like origin stories like why bother showing that there was a nuclear facility at all i also noticed that they kept showing that like long shot of the nuclear power plant in the background of the house and i was just like that probably means nothing but now that you said that yeah same (laughs) i'm such i'm so stupid (laughs) but also i i do think that their like whole shtick with the biology teacher I think she was a biology teacher talking about like adaptations and evolution and how like sometimes Mm -hmm. you know a species might have a sort of 
seemingly random mutation that ends up benefiting that species. So maybe, actually, they could still both be true. Like a nuclear mm. power plant causes a mutation. Like it's still, that's still true. It's interesting that they were talking about evolution at all. But no, she wasn't at like a religious school. I don't understand why they made her religious in this movie because I honestly don't think it would have made a difference if she was just someone who was like uncomfortable with her sexuality. It would have still worked. There was no real reason to make her religious because it didn't play a part in anything because she was assaulted every time. So it wasn't like she was grappling with her religion and her urge to have sex because she didn't really want to. I I thought it was a very odd choice and it was like a way to, I guess, try to link religion and sexuality, but it was just a really poor link between the two. Because I was like, well, there, there's nothing, I mean, I guess we're meant to think that the guy is not really very religious and he's just like in the group to find a girl. But I mean, of all places, why would you go to the chastity club to find someone to have sex with? That just doesn't make sense. Like, he because some people are into that i guarantee you he could find a virgin and band i guarantee you (laughs) leave band alone (laughs) wait if there's like a if there's like a serial if he's like a serial rapist because there was a line that said he'd like lost he was like confessing that he'd done it before and maybe it was anal i wasn't sure what he was getting at but if he's a serial okay but still, if he's if we can assume that he's done it before, then you probably would go to the chastity club because what other group is going to be more ashamed about speaking out than that group, you know? True. Maybe they're less likely to report it. He didn't say what kind of anal. For a second, I thought he got pegged. I When did he talk about anal? When they were on their first date and they were first... <laughs> oh! As you do. Like, she's like, are you a virgin? And he's like, yeah... Oh, yes, I am a virgin in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> I just, I didn't think, think of anal. I was thinking like, oh, he's probably gotten blowjobs or something. Oh, I thought also he was masturbating. I thought he'd done it and he just like repented. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I missed that. Her stepbrother, honestly, just is the, the last final stitch in the fabric that makes this movie so uncomfortable. I think... Yeah. There's, I think a, there's a weird fetish kink for a lot of people to like be like step siblings and stuff because they're like, it's not yeah. real incest. Isn't it the most popular porn category? It's like teen and then step, step sis or step and like, mom. I think it's because they're like, it's not real incest, but it's like incest light. But because they never grew up together as children, it feels even weirder. And then yeah. um, him trying to molest her as a child and then having like, being like, I will never sleep with a girl by vaginal intercourse only anal but for her i'm saving i'm saving the d to get bit off (laughs) that was low-key giving bridgerton to me i know they weren't doing (laughs) anal but it was the fact that they would like pull out every time i mean indeed (laughs) can we talk about that opening scene though because uh i was rereading ms creed and I thought that that was quite an interesting reworking of this. First of all, when we're talking about, when Creed is talking about, like, women as castrators, she, there are apparently three forms. The deadly femme castratrice, the castrating mother, and the vagina dentata. And I think in this film we see a kind of, obviously the vagina dentata, but also, like, the deadly femme castratrice figure. I mean, when Creed talks about that, she's talking about, like, mostly, like, women in slasher films who, like, carry a knife but also that they tend to be, like, motivated by this, like, rape-revenge thing. So I think, like, here that kind of works as well because she's very, like, obviously, in the end, she's acting out of revenge. 
But anyway, focusing on the opening scene to uh, to begin with, uh, Creed talks about when she's analyzing Freud, how Freud thinks that, like, when little boys first see their sister's vagina... No, I don't know, but this is Freud, right? I don't think these situations are real, but this is his analysis. They experience a kind of, like, castration anxiety. Well, that comes later, because at first they think, oh no, it just must be really small. She still has one, but it's really small. The woman is not really active in the castration anxiety. Like, the man realizes it later. It's actually the father who's, like, more the castrating one, because he becomes the rival, and then boys think, oh, I'm gonna have to find a woman of my own. Creed is like, no, it's the mother who induces the castration anxiety fear, not just because she doesn't have a, a penis, but because there's this fear of, like, getting, that they will take your penis away. So I think this scene is kind of interesting because in this discovery, it basically, like, it depicts Freud's, like, sexual penis discovery story, origin story, but kind of rewrites it from Creed's perspective in that, like, when he goes to molest his sister to try to, like, explore whatever, he gets his finger cut off. So it's literally, like... And then he has, like, that deep, deep fear of castration anxiety. So it's kind of, like, an interesting rewriting of Freud's, like, sexual exploration in siblings, which, like we said, doesn't doesn't take place, but... Do you guys think that because the brother, even though he did seemingly have some castration anxiety, is also maybe almost obsessed with the ideal of her because he did experience the bite from her so in a way like he's waiting to experience his bite all over again as if he wants it to happen because if he knows that her vagina has these teeth why is he like waiting and she's like the the one the the only one who he wants to put his penis inside of is it his own want to like punish himself for being literal garbage or if you're like looking at it from like again more Freudian creed perspective I think it's like she almost becomes this like weird fetish object for him because he's like like she almost heightens the mystery because she bit back so now he like needs to know like the mystery of it like and he needs needs to like overcome it yeah like the conquer it or something I don't think he's in love with her I think he I think he has a, 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 a fascination or like a not even more than obsession, like a fixation with her. Because I, I think it's like, uh, yeah, like Mila, like you were saying, until he conquers her, he cannot have sex without castration anxiety in the background. But he's like, he, from the age of childhood, he's like, oh, I saw you for the first time when we, were, when we were children. And I was like, in love with you from that moment. I was like, what in the Jacob and Renes me? It seems like oh as it seems like this is a personal obsession where like he will honestly does not want anyone else. I I really think it's like a the sort of Freudian conquer thing. Freud said like the mother bleeds and that this heightens castration anxiety. Like there's this fear that like it ate the penis. Um, I'm mixing mother and sister. I sorry. I was starting with the brother and sister because that's like his first experience to be like. Why don't you have a penis? But then when we go back to, like, uh, conversations about, like, the castrating, like, who does the castrating is often the mother, not the sister. Or, like, the woman in general. When her stepbrother first, like, tries to molest her, well, he does molest her, do you think in that moment her teeth grew or that she always had teeth? Because if she always had teeth, then it suggests, like, a 
society, like, I, I know there's a societal issue, but it suggests that the film is about the, like, societal issue. But if it grew in that moment, then it's more like a manifestation of her trauma. Okay, I <laughs> I do think it's trying to be about we live in a society, TM, you know? In the same way that other films that we've watched have tried to, like, be about an issue. But I think this borders on comedy too much. Like, the same way that, like, Black Christmas, the remake, bordered on comedy too much. Like, okay, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. If that rape is bad. And thank you for your astute analysis. <laughs> but <laughs> I also wrote in the notes, actually, in my notes, that, like, why is this a, hor- uh, a comedy? I was like, this topic shouldn't be a comedy. And I wanted it to be redone in, as a horror but not a comedy horror like a straight up horror like you know what i mean i think this movie honestly doesn't work well as a body horror movie i noticed like the one that people reference a lot just because of i guess it being th- basically the only movie about vagina dentata but not in the sense of like it's not body horror because it is but i think the movie has so many different elements that don't quite come together to make it a cohesive horror story so I feel like her teeth do come from her brother trying to, well, molesting her the first time. Them even making like the child molestation scene in the movie, I feel like they should have centered the movie around her having trauma about having sex because of that experience rather than them never really mentioning it or ha- her having any trauma about it at all. They never allude to her even thinking about that. All of it is just based around like, I am Christian and God doesn't want me to do this rather than like I had a very traumatic experience with someone touching me inappropriately as a child and inserting a finger inside of me. That never comes up and I also feel like they kind of make her stepbrother feel like oh he's so gaga in love with her and you don't necessarily see them try to point out that he's the villain in the story with the exception of what he does to her mom. I feel like he's he is the villain but I am totally with you on why wasn't that the main plot and why wasn't that the cause for her like reluctance to have sex like that's what i mean like why did why was she a christian and why was that dropped halfway through like it could have been much more cohesive as a plot point if they used that but i think he's the villain like he has that dog he has like loads of tattoos and super angsty like in terms of like 2000s movie tropes i think he's definitely like the villain they're weird for making him in love i think it should have been more like they should have explored the angle of like, I want to see what's down there. Like, what was that bit? Like, I'm curious, like, or I'm afraid for my own self. So in this weird, like, death desire um, kind of paradox, I'm going to go in. He did need to honestly go because <laughs> he was he was a loose cannon. I'm worried about what direction her stepbrother was going to go in with his actions in this movie. So honestly, she did us a favor. Back to your question, Mila, about like, ooh, if it, was if she was born with <laughs> if she was born with this uh vagina dentata or like grew it i honestly hadn't really thought about that but then i guess with the nuclear plant like it could have been like the vagina dentata myth was like came from men thinking that there was a snake up there that there was like maybe a little fish up there that would like bite so maybe like some mutant thing like slid on in some cultures thought it was like a biting fish up in your badge is is no one afraid of putting dicks in mouths is is there are teeth and mouths and dicks go in mouths all the time like why why do you know what i mean like if it's such an anxiety of getting bit of getting castrated but there is like creed argues like anytime you see a gaping mouth or toothy mouth in horror it's low-key the castration anxiety of the vagina as well and she like analyzes 
Freud's uh, transposition hypothesis with dreams, saying that like whenever you dream about like teeth, you're just transposing like your fear of down below and that castration anxiety to the mouth. I have never dreamed about teeth in my life. Oh, I dream about my teeth coming loose. Oh, I dream, I about, dream about my teeth all the time. Yeah, it's like a yeah. really common anxiety <laughs> dream. Pack it up, Chip Skylark. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I think it like also tried to be quite like poignant about it. Like we had those clips to Medusa and I feel like it could have been just like, not to sound like a pretentious, but I just feel like it could have been like more style with it or something or like slower. Like ironically, like, I don't know. This would, like, be a great, like, art house horror topic or for yeah. film or something, like, artsy. They could have, like, done a lot of, like, with the art- artwork and the iconography, but it was just, like, a cut clip in a really, like, otherwise cheap movie. And I wish that there could have been more, like, finesse. I feel like this movie had the same, like, mood board as But I'm a Cheerleader and Edward Scissorhands, and I don't really know how to explain that. Like, the very, I don't know, suburbia feel of, like extremely bright colors i don't know and i feel like that just doesn't scream horror in my mind like i know when we did them in summer all of us were saying like horror films that do daytime instead of nighttime are scary but in this instance it was just like i feel nothing i I, what am i meant to feel by this movie i generally do not feel terror but terrified but also maybe it's because i mean what why would i be afraid of vagina dentata i think what you said about like why is this a body horror is actually interesting because it's like maybe only it would only be for like rapey men because like for women who watch it it's like this isn't scary this is i mean it's scary what happens to her but the actual horror doesn't come from her body for us the horror comes from all the other men so it's not really a true body horror if we're not scared of the thing her body is making her do we're scared of the men who are doing it to her what her body that her body is reacting to if I had a dick seeing all those castrated dicks, I'd be like, yep, 100% a horror movie. Only if you're gonna put it in somewhere. We shouldn't be. No, but even still, the thing about body horror, it doesn't have to be like, ah, I can see myself in this situation. It's, oh, I have that body part and that part is not on a person anymore. I think it's just about like the feeling of it. When somebody stuck a finger up there and then the finger got severed, I still felt that in the way that I feel body horror because I have a finger. Oh, you know what yeah, I, mean? like, I did think it's a, it's about the, the it's about the embodiment of like the visual and like feeling it on your own self and like imagining what that would feel like you know when i thought that the most was when i thought she was gonna masturbate because i didn't know at that point if like it would bite her finger like at random or anything that went in there we hadn't it hadn't yet been revealed that it doesn't do it if it's consensual consensual in air bunnies yeah i think not necessarily the doctor because i i don't know like that was just so horrifying i wasn't really thinking about it but definitely when she was about to go in i was like don't do it don't do it I don't know. It's like the the feeling of body horror that I normally associate with is like the context of like coming of age or coming to terms with some part of the body that I think makes it more of a generalized experience. Like in the film, I don't feel like she necessarily becomes more comfortable with her sexuality or with her vagina. She just realizes what she can use it for. However, I think in a lot of other films where they do use like body horror elements, by the end of the movie, the main character has come to terms and like is completely at peace with it and they've grown from it but in this movie it's just like trauma 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 oh she realizes it's a weapon i think louisa you said that the comedy aspect of it was like strange and didn't fit and at first i felt exactly the same i was like this doesn't work at all but actually 
once the man finds out that like his dick has been cut off I was laughing I was like full-on laughing and not like "Uh this is weird and I'm uncomfortable it was like really funny and I don't know if that was good I don't know if it's sort of the power of laughter to like destabilize authority I don't know if like that was what I was feeling necessarily, like laughing at him. It felt really satisfying. I was like, yeah, cut his dick off, but didn't then forgive like how poorly the film handled like everything else. It was an attempt, an attempt was made. If it was gonna be a comedy, then it would have to be like, she's nuts. Like she's doing it unprovoked. She's just doing it cause she has like, whatever, I'm gonna do it, doom, 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 like, you know? But it makes it like less comedic to me if she's like, you know, being, attacked by every single freaking guy in her life apart from her dad thank god like that's what kind of ruins it i was like i, I think it would be, work better as a comedy if there wasn't so much goddamn rape it gets just gratuitous by the end of it yeah i think why i'm not so mad at it is because i'm like okay when was it 2007 i was like oh whatever like shit was weird back then and the films were weird so i, was, I kind of just like accept it the fact that she's a virgin and this film is about castration anxiety and vagina dentata is quite interesting because, um, again, going to bring it back to Freud. Apparently, in Taboo of Virginity, he explains that there are many cultures which aim to, like, I mean, lots of cultures have you must have sex, you must keep yourself pure before marriage, but other cultures have you need to have sex before marriage because otherwise your husband's going to be subjected to something weird because they're scared of the vagina and like what it could do like the castration anxiety so they would like have like weird defloration processes performed by someone else and there's just like this fear that virginity heightens castration anxiety because the virgin want might want to like take vengeance against someone who takes her virginity or because it hurts the first time i mean it's not meant to but um, or because it induces penis envy in them. So the fact that she's a virgin seems to be quite important in this as well, according to the psychological reading of it. Let's move on to a movie that is also centered around sexual activity and what happens afterwards. It follows is the story of Jay, the girl next door who, after her first experience with new boyfriend Hugh, awakens tied to a chair with Hugh saying that he wants to make sure it worked. Jay is left confused until she starts to see something following her everywhere she goes in different body forms doing anything to get to her. Jay, are you awake? <laughs> You're not going to believe me. I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. It does follow, it's slow. It follows the succession of who you pass it to. You can't kill it, I'm assuming. And it can't kill anyone besides the person it's pursuing. And it always changes. It's a shapeshifter. I thought this was like such a public way of showing like who you've slept with. Like 
how embarrassing you know there's also a lot of strategy with who you pass it to because if you pass it to somebody who's gonna have trouble passing it then it's just gonna come back to you that much quicker i died like this the most disturbing thing about this film was trying to think like how i would get out of the situation and i think my flat right my flatmate and i like came up with the idea that you would just have to be a sex worker like you just have to be like okay yeah and just have sex regularly because that's the only like not just regularly but have like professionally like i would want multiple people on the books and it has to be with people who are going to like be far away from you afterwards and there would be no way for you to track if they passed it on like you don't know how close it is to you at any given time like like that's myself yeah that's why i was like like there's no getting out of this because like you could wait around and travel your whole life and fuck your whole life but like you can't keep track of it in the way that you want to Obviously, because I always end up having one movie that I'm particularly fixated on every episode. This is the movie. This episode. I think part of the movie that makes it interesting is like there's little hints and stuff. Also, I really like I did some of the horrifying facts. This is completely irrelevant from the theory. But the movie that she goes on her first date at with Hugh is actually the movie that had evil that evil dead premiered in 1981, which is really cool. I also like that they had the talk about Detroit and the eight mile and gentrification and the separation of the suburbs. I like that it was self-aware, but basically (laughs) I thought it was interesting that like it appears in at different ages. And then there's like that scene when they're at the movie and he was like, it must be nice to have your whole life ahead of you. And the poem that her teacher is reading out loud is the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And in that poem, it says, to lead you to the overwhelming question, oh, do not ask, what is it? And in the poem, it it talks a lot about like time and life and everything. And then her friend has that quote at the end of the movie, like that the scariest thing is that like it's inevitable and you can't get through things and your soul leaving your body is very scary. I feel like it is almost just because society places so much pressure on sex people often feel like their life doesn't really begin until sex and so it is kind of just like the march to death that happens once your life begins and you no longer have the innocence of like what's ahead where you can daydream because you already have experienced I guess what people brand is like the height of what's the best thing that is going to ever happen to you because there's so much construct placed on virginity as it being like this special moment where you like become a adult or something and so like when he's looking at the child and he's like it must be nice to have your whole life ahead of you it's almost just like it is the the absence of innocence and the feeling of getting closer to death I also thought it was interesting, like, the colors they use, because, like, on the first date, she's wearing a pink dress, and pink is, like, the mix between red and white, which is, like, innocence, and also, like, violence and passion, and then when she goes on the second date, when she loses her virginity, she's in a pure white dress, and then after she loses her virginity, she's in pink underwear, and also when he drugs her you see like a flash of her red nails and also the girl at the beginning of the movie who's dead is wearing a red high heel that's stuck straight up so i thought it was an interesting use of color to talk about like innocence and virginity and violence and stuff that shot that first yeah. shot of like the high heel on the body i like, flamingo foot. that like i thought it was yeah the flamingo foot i was like i thought the gore and also the the scary forms that it took when it like got really close i thought that that was like 
that was for 2014 especially pretty fresh horror to me like i thought i thought it was like shocking the jump scares weren't like too predictable i mean we talked about this a little bit with the final girl virginity trope about like the the horror starts like you tie like you were saying when the sex starts or that having sex in a horror movie means you're going to die and like that being like everybody knows that that's like the rules of horror i thought that this movie did a more complex version of that like body horror being close to sex or like the proximity of like vulnerability and pain or the proximity of like nudity and fear of like you're being completely exposed and like that being the scariest moment to like be caught in i think that's why a lot of the times people die soon after a sex scene or like during a sex scene in horror like this movie did a little differently because the it has to come hours or days after because it's like a slow moving beast whereas like in a slasher movie like you might die while you're having sex like the the consequences are immediate but something about that like when you're what especially if you're watching in a theater or watching a scary movie with somebody when there's a gratuitous sex scene it lulls you into this weird like it's like uncomfortable in a different way and then all of a sudden if there's like body horror that comes immediately after that it's like oh no those people were just in their most vulnerable state and so was i as the, as the viewer like i'm uncomfortable because sex is uncomfortable and violence is uncomfortable and bodies are uncomfortable and imagine having pain close to sex or having pain close to nudity like all those things that like the way that they mesh in my brain is just like it it's i think that to me is like the peak of body horror is there had there is some element of sex to it because they're so intertwined in my brain i think it's interesting like the nudity aspect i kind of thought like it's very it is like such an abject figure it's like literalizing what objection would look like and when it appears like I thought one scene that was really interesting was like the random corpse in the hallway that's like urinating and also kind of half naked and when we first see it as well it appears well not first see it but um when she's tied up in the chair after she when she's naked and it appears as like a naked woman walking towards them I was like it's always like I don't know like nudity is kind of abject like because it's bringing attention to like body urinating as we know waste is like an abject body waste is like an abject thing yeah and like corpse as well like because it kind of looked like a zombie the one in the hallway so yeah that's also an abject uh thing the first time i saw nudity and horror together was a scene in the shining in the bathtub with the naked woman she got like the saggy boobs and she's rotting terrible that that i think that's the first time i've seen it and it like this this movie hit me in the same way in like all those weird places because i watched that as kind of like ew but she's naked like it wasn't even like that she was rotting flesh i was like she need to put some clothes on the first one that she saw was hugh's mom which i thought was interesting because i don't know like hugh's mom doesn't necessarily have a connection to her but also it felt like maybe all of the characters that it followed had some sort of trauma. Like she had a single parent and we actually never fully see her mom's face the entire movie. Like her mom's face is when they show the family picture is out of focus and her dad died and she sees the dad and she doesn't even want to tell them which she saw at the pool scene. And then we have the guy's mom who like buzzes in his room and sex him to death. It seems like all of them have some sort of parental connection or trauma as well which is a dynamic that i think is interesting 
I thought it was interesting when it comes to, like, different genders. Because basically it comes as, like, um, the mother for, like, the male victims. But then for Jay, it appeared at the... I mean, obviously it shapeshifts to different genders in general. But, like, I feel like when it delivers the final blow, it's as, like, the the parent that's the other a different gender to yourself so for the boys it was their mother and for the girl for jay it was um her dead father i thought what was also interesting about this movie is we how we talked about like how the nudity is used as part of the abject but the in the sex scenes there is no nudity like in the actual sex scenes like when she's in the hospital and Greg's like, yeah, I'm, I will have sex with you to get rid of this creature. Also, to be honest, I had mixed feelings about the male, male characters in this movie. The treatment of her by Hugh, we know he obviously used a fake name. And I think his real name was like Fred and he had like that little house or whatever he was living in with, with all his alarm bells. And then we have her sister's friend who works at the ice cream parlor who is basically the embodiment of the nice guy and then we have the guy next door who's kind of like the bad boy but also has a soft side and I mean he basically just wasn't cautious enough he knew it was coming for him but he just literally didn't care or like try to avoid anything and then the guy who's the embodiment of a nice guy like as soon as the he was like oh she could sleep with someone else and transfer it you're a girl it should be easy he was like yes this is my moment I'm, I can't wait to sacrifice myself and I was like this dude is creepy I am sorry that was so wild I was like he's really about to risk it all for that particular biscuit that scene got me because that that little boy I'm like who are you gonna pass it to oh <laughs> top it off he like goes and looks at sex workers and is like I'm just gonna give it to a prostitute and I was like oh this man is shitty like I'm not a fan yeah that's <laughs> fucked up that was fucked up it also it also was interesting to talk like thought process of like who is considered disposable like who would you who would you like not feel fucked up passing it to and I feel like a lot of people would pass it to a sex worker or like you were saying like you would have to be a sex worker yourself to like survive it but I'm like honestly I guess like as a girl it would be easier just because guys don't really have the most critical thought process in terms of like I'm not going to sleep with you. Usually, like, I mean, honestly, if you walked up to a dude on the street and was like, would you like to go have sex? They might say yeah. yeah so, like, it would, it would be a lot easier. I guess you would just have to use it like uh, that Girl Walks Home Alone at Night movie where she used it as, like, a weapon. <laughs> just be like, I can pass this to them and just run through a bunch of awful people and give it to them. Can we talk about, when did this movie come out? 2014? The soundtrack. Was oh, I so hated fun. it. I thought it was great. I know I liked it. It was. I thought it was great. It was so eighties. It was so like classic eighties slasher. Like whatever. I when was this supposed to be set? It didn't. It like had no time. They deliberately like made things ambiguous. That's good to know because I was mad confused about it, and I just said it in the eighties because the music was so rooted in like 80s horror specifically that like synth and the doo 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 I'm gonna I'll put a sound clip people so I don't have to do it but <laughs> I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates I had this image of myself holding hands with yeah, a lot of synth, a lot of like, I thought the parts that were just like scary sounds, like the the score, I thought was spooky scary. It got under my skin. It made me upset. I thought it did what it was <laughs> supposed to do. I like that you brought up time because I think one of the things that makes it follow so creepy is like the fact that time feels like it's a loop. 
because we don't really understand what time they are meant to be in and like no one seems to be truly happy (laughs) in this time loop it seems like they're all just passing the time and then once it starts following you your life is basically revolving around how much time you have to outrun this thing that's approaching you which honestly thinking about is like a depressing (laughs) metaphor for life in general is like I mean, I I thought it was definitely like an ST an STI metaphor or like a you know some that type of thing. It didn't line up in a way that made sense because it's like okay if you're it okay say you have like a an STI that's like live like you can live with it and and you just get treatment like herpes like you have flare ups but it's like generally like manageable and you can have sex with herpes and like people don't get it. I I if. I think it's fucked up if it was an STI metaphor because most STIs you can live with and have sex and like have partners and do whatever if you're like safe and cautious and communicate and do all of that. I, it, the the fact that there's rules to this and that you have to tell the people the rules then solidified the metaphor for me because I was like, okay, why don't you just have sex with somebody and then like what what obligation have you to tell them that then they have this thing? But you have to tell them because if you if they don't have their survival instinct to pass it or not die, then you, it'll just come after you like in a second. I'm like, okay, so I'm like, how do they know the rules? Who decided? Why has everyone been telling everyone this whole time? But it makes sense because like it's you're protecting yourself by telling somebody that they've got the thing. And then I was like, oh, okay, so it's a disease. So it's like I'm telling you that I passed a disease to you. It's like the same. And it's to protect yourself and to protect others. Uh, In the interview, the director, David Robert Mitchell, said that the basic idea of being followed by something that looked like different people that was very slow always came from a reoccurring nightmare that he had when he was a kid. And then later as an adult, he added like the sexual aspect of passing on a, a terrible thing that follows you. And so he said it like combined his childhood with his adulthood fear. And that was like when he was asked if it was a sexually transmitted disease metaphor. I think it works as that, but I don't know if it's like the intended metaphor that he went for. Just because I'm like, unless it was like HIV, you don't really die from it. And even HIV is quite treatable nowadays. I saw a lot of articles saying the HIV thing. I didn't really look at like what the director's motivation was, but I was like, oh, if it was like a queer metaphor, then why does the parent who appears have to be a different gender to the the victim like why does the why did the guys have to have the killing blow delivered by their mother of it in the form of its mother and why does jay have it delivered in the form of her father if like because if you're already crossing one taboo you might as well cross the taboo of homosexuality you know what i mean i was like why couldn't have appeared as her mother is it just because it was more shocking i guess to have the dad yeah it also seemed to be explicitly about like penetrative sex and I wonder if that's part of the law. Now that you mention that, this movie is actually quite heteronormative because there is no implication that you can pass it through queer sex. Yeah, the whole time I was like, pass it to your, to your sister's friends. They're there. No one's offering. <laughs> I think maybe we are meant to interpret her friend Yara as definitely not being into guys. The one who's always reading the quotes from the clam. Also, the clam just felt like a a symbol for almost (laughs) vagina dentata, just because like a clam snaps. Mm. And so her carrying it felt like she was not going to be an option of anyone who wanted to get the disease. I did think when I was watching it with my flatmate, I was like, this is a you problem then. I was like, sidestep, (laughs) ta-ha. Can I talk about the Detroit piece like real quick? 
So I didn't know it was set in Detroit. Like I didn't, I like for most of the movie, like I, until they had that explicit speech about like the gentrification and all of that. But I was looking at it. I was like, this is Detroit. Like I knew from looking at it because I grew up there like as a kid. And I was like, this is very obviously Detroit, especially the scenes where they're like showing the abandoned houses. And I was watching with somebody who's never been there. And they're like, oh, that, I thought this was a suburb. They're like, yeah, they are from the suburbs, but like, that's what Detroit looks like. It's houses. It's not apartment buildings. It's not a big city in the way that other cities, it's like a lot of abandoned houses. And something really, really bothered me about using Detroit as a site of horror because it's not an abandoned city, right? Like people live there. It's not full of spooky haunted houses and like whisperings in the night. There's like, it was, it's also because they're coming from the suburbs and even though they have the conversation, it's like, there's this like implied sense of danger when they like, even the lighting is different. They have all these just like, just like pan, like pan shots of like, you know, when you're in a car, what is that called? When you're in a car and the shot is like the windows passing or just like ever the scenery going by. It, the fact that it was so identifiable to me as Detroit and that it was like the implied danger behind everything really rubbed me the wrong way because you never see any people walking down the street. It's like a, it's a literal ghost town. And it's, it, it was really upsetting to me. And I felt like they had that speech specifically to like address the fact that you've made an actual city that looks like that the site of your horror movie is like uh, and did nothing to make it look any scarier besides change the lighting was like really fucked up to me or that like you know you know what I'm saying like it's not and a lot of the time people use it as this grand metaphor it's like oh the nature has taken there's a lot of buildings where like nature has taken it back and like they've fallen apart and it's really there's a lot of green spaces and it like looks cool Anthony Bourdain also did an episode on Detroit with no fucking people in it um (laughs) <laughs> but like I don't know I, I it it it's a little fucked up and it's like like they either could have been from the city like why'd they come from the suburbs why there was it had nothing to do with the plot besides that like oh I'm gonna drive super far to get away from it yeah you know what I mean? and there was only that the like three lines of dialogue addressing it and I don't think it added anything new also if you have no idea about Detroit. I don't think anybody who has who hasn't been there would have clocked it as Detroit. Like I like I only said it offhandedly. I was like, that looks a little bit like Detroit. And then when they had that line, I was like, fuck me. Like not this again, please. It's an actual city. <laughs> it's not a haunted house. Um I feel like I was a little bit disappointed with this movie. Um it was my first time watching it and I accept like part of the blame for that because I think I my expectation for it was that the idea of it being sexually transmitted was going to be core to the story um or at least like the the law or the horror um and like you guys have said sex obviously is a significant part because of the way it's like intertwined with death and the uncanny and the abject and that's all great but I think I set myself up for like a little bit of disappointment in in the end when actually the whole idea of like it the entity and the sort of I guess the sort of dread of an impending doom of like slowly trudging towards death anytime a film is centered around that I'm kind of like snore because maybe I don't maybe I'm like oh that sounds fine I think I just it felt like it felt like it 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 was anticlimactic for me 
I really liked how it like um, subverted that trope of like you've sex, you're gonna die, but it's because you're like, you know, impure, and it's it's normally you know female characters that suffer that kind of sentence. But I think I was expecting, I, I maybe like gave it too high of an expectation, and I was waiting for like the ball to drop, and it didn't. And sometimes I was bored, but. Uh, yeah, I think I need to. I really, really wish I'd watched it in 2014 in the cinema. It was like such a it film at that time, but also it was. It would have maybe helped with me enjoying it. I don't know. I saw this movie for the first time in 2014, and I saw it like at a cinema with my mom and my sister. And the first time I saw it, I actually really did like it. Um, and this time that I saw it, I actually got a different message. I remember when I watched it when I was 18, that's how old I was in 2014. Um, I kind of thought of it as like a weird metaphor for body count and how it kind of hunts you and the way that people either hold it over you in like a negative aspect or a way that sometimes people hold it against themselves and think that they can't get to a certain number or they're worthless or something like that um but then when I watched it this time I kind of thought of it as like the perfect horror film for someone in their 20s just because like you are inevitably like shedding through partners and in a way you still carry carry those people (laughs) carry those people with you and in the end when we see her and nice guy holding hands they just visibly look so unhappy and I thought this movie is kind of like this temporal paranoia nightmare of like you are afraid and at the same time you're being with people that in a way follow you in like this negative way that is a sort of trauma but her experience with Hugh at the beginning of the movie like he's definitely in a way sort of pressuring her into sex and then afterwards he literally chloroforms her and ties her to a chair and then he very publicly throws her outside of her house in her underwear where she has to go to the hospital and that is a question if it was assault as well because obviously she didn't know she was taking on it like the people later in the film and when she has the other experiences is literally just to get rid of it. Like it's not because she is attracted to nice guy or Greg. It's just because she's trying to buy herself time. And then eventually she just settles with Greg and they just accept that they'll have to eventually, I guess, step out. So they spread it to someone else. But eventually like this death is Greg. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Nice guy. (laughs) He doesn't get a name in this (laughs) nice ice cream boy. Who's literally the epitome of nice guy. She definitely is settling with him at the end of the movie because like this is someone who she can comfortably be with and she doesn't have to explain it to again. In a way it feels like sometimes people settle with people so that they have to don't have to continuously explain themselves and explain the trauma that they carry with them. And so sometimes we settle very early in our lives and we are marching towards death with this person who we actually fucking hate or don't like that much. They don't make us happy. Yeah, I don't know if I'm horrified or a little bit comforted because I saw a lot of engagement announcements this past weekend <laughs> and I was for a moment upset that no one was engaged to I, but then now I'm like, mm, but I'm not marching towards death yet. Like, they, like it, It's that visual at the end of like, you see it following them and they just have these blank faces as they blankly hold hands. And I'm like, she's literally with this man because she doesn't want to have to explain it to anyone else. So this man who's been pining for her forever and is like, I will die 
for the puss is like who she literally settles with <laughs> and she's not happy he really happy because she he knows that she doesn't like him but they're both just like we'll do this until we die you had a whole experience with this film i feel like i didn't read that far into it i was like what would i do you're like how how do we survive <laughs> yeah i was like what do we do uh, okay i don't know if I don't know if it happens to queer women, so maybe I'm okay, but if not, I'll just become a sex worker and that's how I'll get out of it. But you're like, we're slowly marching towards death and we're all settling for me- mediocrity and just aging every day <laughs> towards an inevitable abyss. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> In the 2016 French film Raw, a young vegetarian veterinary school student begins her first year In a hazing ritual, Justine is forced to eat a raw rabbit kidney. After tasting meat for the first time, Justine begins to have strange cravings and dark revelations about herself and her family, while also discovering herself and her sexuality. So guys, have you eaten anything strange or within our own culture strange? I've eaten some questionable milk. I don't know what it's called, but in Korea they have like this dish where it's like raw meat and then a, a egg that's cracked on top of it. That's raw. And that then raw octopus tentacles. And I've eaten that. No, that sounds good. I want that. I'm a huge carnivore. I feel like... I, I'm I'm big about using every part of the animal, so I've eaten a lot of weird parts of the animal, like you know the chicken feet and the pig's ears and the lamb brains. Like I I don't know. I just like feel like if you're going to, especially if you're going to buy a big a big piece of meat or a whole animal for an occasion, like use the bones for broth. Like really utilize every piece of it. But I feel like it it. Yeah, it is culturally specific because I've never been in a context where like eating the part was weird. Oh, but I love I love a good beef tongue. I think of the weird foods that I like go out of my way to get like a beef tongue taco. And when I was in New York was really it. It's if, if it's prepared right, if they scrape off the taste buds properly, because you can tell. You can tell if there's taste buds on it still. And like, those are the places that kind of like rush the preparation of it. But like, if it doesn't, if it looks indistinguishable from like steak, essentially, it's so tender and juicy and delicious. I haven't really had that much weird meat. Like, have you had a hot dog? <laughs> you had weird meat. Yeah, everyone's had a fucking hot dog. Everyone, okay, yeah, but. Like, in terms of a, I have seen, like, the, I've never, like, voluntarily gone and had beef tongue or anything. I've also only seen it on the menu and thought, oh, that's weird. I think, like, the only thing I've had is, like, trying to be French. I mean, I am a quarter French, but, like, having um, escargot and I had frog's leg. Beyonce. Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, um, yeah. Frogs, legs, and snails was what I had, but that's like that's not even weird because all of France snails are do it. good. It was really good. It was they were really garlicky, and frogs' legs just taste like chicken mm-hmm. with the consistency of fish. I'm fairly sure that I've had gator before when I was in like kindergarten, and we went on a field trip to a gator farm. <gasps> yes, I had gator. I had gator mac and cheese. That was yeah. good. Whoa, sounds so weird. Like the combination, it doesn't taste bad. 
It's kind of like lobster mac and cheese in like concept, oh, but not in texture. I love some lobster mac and cheese. Oh, babe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Should we leave you alone? <laughs> I am so hungry. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever eat raw meat. I don't really like raw egg. Um, Sushi? Yeah, I, I'm afraid about getting ill. Like that's just like the hypochondriac side. But also, I was a vegetarian. But I, I really, I, I really am pro eating animals. I know that sounds strange. Yeah, that's all. Leave it to that. <laughs> that's my statement. I'm imagining, I'm imagining vegans holding a pro eat animals sign. <laughs> eat them animals. Would you guys eat somebody if, like, a body, a human, if you had to? No, I think that's a that's a cop out. Not in a survival context. I think out, if you went to a country and they were like, "Here you go. This is what we do." Would you like this human hot pot? Would That's you... gonna be a hell no for me. <laughs> no, I th- I think I would try it. I would try it and be and be disgusted with myself, but I would try it in it in a survival situation. It depends if I know the person and if they've given me permission. I best case scenario, it's a stranger who gave me permission because then I have no emotional ties to the body and also no guilt. Yeah, but that why are you in that survival situation with a stranger like? Like a plane crash? Imagine being in a plane crash and someone being like, just so you know, guys, if anything happens, you can eat me. Like, who would say that? No one would volunteer. Zeba literally said that two days ago. You guys, your family would have, like, nobody. They would send back and be like, oh my god, why are there bite marks? That's okay. No, the body and the mind are separate. What happens to my body after I've pieced out of it is truly none of my business. I don't have a lot of meat to offer the other plane crash victims, and I feel bad about that. To be fair, I think there's a lot of, like, hypocrisy in how the treatment of cannibalism. And maybe this is basic and everybody already knows it, but I was looking up the etymology of the word. Um, and let me just get it up. Um, this is from etymologyonline.com thing. And it's human that eats human flesh, but it comes from the 50, 1550s, and it's from the Spanish kind of word cannibal or caribal. That's probably a terrible accent, sorry. Um, meaning savage cannibal from cannibal. And this is basically comes from Christopher Columbus. Um, and it was how he, like, it got lost in translation, but it, there was um, another sort of, like, people, I think it was the Arawak people who were on... Uh, in the Caribbean, the West Indies, and they called another group of people uh, who were actually called Kalino or Korea, uh, Carib. And like overseas, it got translated to Canib, which then became Cannibal. So essentially, um, and this was based on like rumors. So it wasn't exactly, we. I don't know if there's any like actual hard evidence or maybe it's something that gets debated whether this group were actually cannibals or if this was just something that the other group had said about them because apparently that group ate the other group's uh, prisoners that they caught. So like obviously they would want to be like, oh, they eat them. They're bad. You know, there was some motivation <laughs> there. But um, yeah, so it has um, definitely like racist colonialist roots as well because um Christopher Columbus like wrote back to the queen and the queen was like oh you can imprison enslave kill people who are cannibals because they'll never be converted to Christianity they're very unchristian so then when it became like it became a political thing and then almost like like suddenly loads of them were cannibals even though it was always just a rumor apparently to begin with so it became like an excuse to kill like indigenous populations 
I understand like the religious hesitation not to to be opposed to cannibalism because the body is sacred and you want it like well for Christianity you, you have to be buried but if outside of religion or even outside of like any sense of spirituality tied to the body like what is the repulsion towards cannibalism yeah, I'm I'm not pro-cannibalism by a mile, but also I think the religious context is a bit foggy because uh, for communion, we literally eat crackers and drink uh, <laughs> sparkling gra- grape juice and say it's the blood, the body and the blood of Christ. Uh, so I think that, that is a bit murky in religious terms, especially like when you think of like the movie Mother and they literally eat her baby and it's like but we ate jesus so he lives on forever through us and it's like i remember when i saw that in the movie i was like oh no that just effed this up for me i literally can never have communion wine and crackers again without being like yikes (laughs) from a like anthropological perspective i feel like i just i don't i would i just don't understand why you know so i'm just gonna leave that be i'm gonna let all i'm gonna let all people who have cannibalized with consent give the free pass from an anthropological cultural perspective now from a kink perspective oh god no i i'm not naming any names i feel like a recent if it's revelation of recent of recent revelation i would say that there are some people I would say even talking about cannibalism without consent in a sexual context, I would say is a violation. Even if you don't take a bite, even bringing it up without a clear okay. A little nibble. (laughs) That ain't it. That ain't it. Blood kinks. I just like, be safe, everyone. (laughs) Be safe. I don't know what corners of the internet everybody's like hanging out in, but I guess as long as it's safe and consensual, I'm okay. I don't know if I believe that anymore. <laughs> there was a TikTok I saw like a few days ago that was talking about how like porn culture has infiltrated young people so much in our generation and especially the people in the generation below us in Gen Z. And a lot of people like way uncomfortably glorify pain and sex and being like, oh, let's not have people thinking their partnership beat them down and treat them like shit without their consent. Like be safe everyone <laughs> don't let people treat you horribly and mud stomp you if that is not what you wish there was there was this like bdsm quiz going around a few years ago that was like a, like a like you just go through a giant list of kinks and like put yourself on like a scale and then they rank what your kinks are like in an order and because the extremes were so extreme like the, the extremes were like level extremes that anybody who was like mm, I don't consent to being barbecued and spit roasted got vanilla and I was like there's no way that, like there's something off about this I agree we should probably like I understand kinks are normal exploring your like sexual fantasies is normal but not not all things that turn you on come from a healthy place which is fine. Mm. We can't avoid this. But just go to therapy. Just fucking go to therapy, please. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. Especially if you're a rich actor who can afford it. One yeah. thing about his situation that I thought was interesting 
Because I think I saw something on Twitter where in like an old interview he was saying like he had kinks, but he often didn't like express them with his wife and sex because he respected her too much. And I think if it's rooting from you not respecting people or people not respecting you, you need to evaluate the level of healthy that is because people should not be viewing you as subhuman in sexual activity unless obviously that's what you're asking them to do. But no, 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 no. This is... The similar thing I have about, like, race play and slave play, um, I'm just a bit like, mm, I don't, I want to let people do whatever they want. I want to let people do what they want, but I really just cannot vibe, like, with it. I just cannot. I like that this episode has so much to do with, like, femininity. To be quite honest, I feel like this is the episode that we have had that has, like, the most to do with, like, maternal links to monstrosity when the dad shows her uh his chest or whatever i did have the question of how was she like taking a chunk out of people but like when her dad had bite marks all over his chest like they were just bite marks and some of them were really recent i was like has his has the mom like learned how to control herself i don't know i think it's like if you eat the meat then it enacts like a frenzy but the parents did it because she had the pictures of the parents like drinking blood and bathing in blood and eating the the rabbit kidney so they had did the same thing but i think like the dad in this movie is like the example of the castrated male because he's literally just like yes you can emasculate me but the um the mother point yeah i mean we talked about this in episode two with the archaic mother and i thought the like little twist at the end that the mom it was the mom's condition overall was very much like like you said he is the castrated father because she is the sort of origin castrating mother and in that sort of lore we'll just do a quick little recap it the cast the archaic mother is really terrifying because she threatens to sort of reincorporate you so you might get like a vagina dentata a sort of monstrous womb either way or like even cannibalism in this instance if we're looking at like the mouth is also a kind of vagina dentata but it's yeah transferred it's kind of like she's reconsume she's reincorporating them back into her body and nothing exists apart from the mother like the it's if the original origin story she's the object not the subject because everything is defined by the father and his penis in this origin story the mother is she kind of reclaims her subjectivity and becomes the very center of the story and everything becomes one because she collapses and there's no difference it's like a psychic kind of death according to creed so i thought that was really interesting that the cannibalism comes from the maternal line because it's kind of very much that monstrous femme trope and i also thought it was very interesting that adrian was queer because i was like it was also like he seemed like maybe actually bisexual and it seemed like perhaps biphobic because I th- I kind of gathered like why would they call him gay and then they have the sex scene with them together and at first I was just like oh you know stuff happens like stuff gets mixed up <laughs> labels don't always fit Jet sexuality's fluid like whatever but then I was like well maybe he was bi and had a thing with the sister because they implied that they had some sort of pre-existing relationship she was like why do you have my sister's number um, and then he got put off because he kind of knew maybe roughly about the sister or something. It would explain why he's so understanding with the younger sister. And I also kind of thought maybe it's like some sort of sexual rivalry between the two sisters for that guy. Because why would she choose him as the victim? Like the older sister at the end, she eats, she consumes Adrian. So it's like, I don't know. I thought maybe he was bisexual and just saying gay because he just really 
oh, almost like another castration anxiety thing. Like, oh, I don't want to be consumed, so I'm going to just be with men. It was like the kind of exact opposite, similar to the brother in in Teeth, who decides to just do anal after that. But in this case, he's just put off women entirely. I mean, I don't know if that's me. I'm not trying to make some weird, like, sexuality narrative, but I thought maybe that was kind of how I read it. With Adrian, I felt like he almost felt like he was taking on, like, a parental figure role for her because he was so, like, nurturing and making sure she was okay and checking in on her. And I got the idea that when he did have sex with her, it was just because he felt scared for what she was going to do to someone else so it felt like he was giving her a safe place to like lose her virginity um and I feel like the sister was almost jealous of that parental like guardian bond that she didn't necessarily have the same experience with also I would argue that her sister was sexually harassing the fuck out of Adrian it was very uncomfortable um he didn't seem as though he like sister sorry her older sister and her in a way because there was no indication that he was romantically interested in either of them it just seemed like they were throwing themselves upon him and maybe because like his like understanding nature did mimic that of their parents and their parents were the only other people that were linked to like their disease of eating flesh so so they felt competition for it like siblings feel competition for parental love in the same sense of like uh (laughs) the sibling rivalry and like uncanny things in this film like there is like the object of throwing up hair and the constant covering of blood and stuff the hair almost took me out like i have like a throwing up phobia i have thrown up maybe once in the last 10 years i just refuse high five i just refuse to (laughs) throw up like i get the urge and i'm just like i simply won't My my friend also has that fear. I thought it was so weird, but it's actually quite common. Like, loads of people have a fear of sick, yeah. and they won't do it. Like, I don't love sick, but I'm not afraid of I it. I literally can't control it. Like, every time when I get my period, at least one day, I'm so sick that all I can do is throw up. What? Oh, that's, that's so, so bad. That's bad. Yeah, it sucks. Can we go all the way back to, like, okay, I'm going way, way back to the beginning for just some basic concepts. Is she vegetarian because they knew that if she ate meat this like mm-hmm. this her- hereditary instinct would come out okay that helps things i also don't understand why this group of uh veterinarians is hazing people and like ain't y'all love animals you just let the girl be vegan i did not understand like why they were so vicious about it i literally it. wrote in my notes i would not let any of these vets operate on my dog like they are all unhinged. Like this hazing was so intense. I was in a week straight. I was like, no, I would, qu- I would no. drop out. I would report them for throwing my bed out the window. I would report them for making me try to have sex with someone until paint comes off. Like all of it was so fucking toxic. I was just like, this is fucked up. Like part of the horror was not even the cannibalism. It was just the fucking uni. I have a, I have a note that was like the French need to be stopped, but also <laughs> vegans because like, okay. <laughs> I thought I thought their attitude towards things was perhaps uh, an overreaction, misguided, if you will. But when I was like, "Yo, don't you understand that she's a, a vegetarian?" And then, because she's a vet, she loves animals. Why would she eat meat? Like that made sense to me. I used to know like a lot of like militaristic vegans who like firmly believed that like animal lives and human lives were. Are like, you gonna equal. connect this with the rape comment they made? Yeah, I knew you were gonna do that. See what see what we're not gonna do. <laughs> 
they compare the like eating of animals to the eating of people because there's a reason this movie starts with a rabbit liver and ends with people. It's because there's a scale of severity. It's because eating one is not like eating the other. And we understand that by the end because the stakes of eating people are just higher. They simply are. I cannot be convinced that the comparison can be made between I two. thought the rabbit liver was really not liver the kidney was really symbolic because uh like the rabbit is the prey and she's starting there in order to become the predator and also like the kidney is has the function of like cleansing the body so i felt like it was like a an animal rebirth moment of like reprogramming her from being like this very meek girl to the predator along with many of the abject things i thought because justine like always is biting people while she has sex and we know that's why her daddy got bite marks all over his chest and his back um (laughs) i thought it was strange that her sister and her were biting each other in the faces when they got in a fight i was like this feels very much like we're supposed to interpret this as incestuous abject i kind of thought yeah because they do make this connection between sex and cannibalism very direct so i did think it was sort of weirdly whatever also the sister seemed massively just 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 queer <laughs> to me the queer vibes the eating scenes in this like the regular food eating on top of the cannibalism eating reminded me so much of blue is the warmest color and i'm like what is it with the french and these cinematic eating like close-ups on the mouth like i get that it's sexual i understand that but they really hammer it home like some they of them hammer it home do long. they <laughs> Please, do we have to do this? <laughs> I think at this moment we should insert Louisa fangirling over lobster mac and cheese. Ooh, but not in texture. I love some lobster mac and cheese. Oh, babe. <laughs> Sorry. On IMBD, in their trivia section, the director actually said that the actress wanted to work on her body and posture because throughout the movie you can see the drastic change in the beginning and the end of the movie and how her character posture, her character's posture changes as she transforms. And also, it kind of like mimics that of an animal like movement by the end and I also would say that the veterinary school also feels like they have like an animal like hedonism in which they just kind of party a lot despite the fact that you would be very busy in this setting (laughs) they seem to have ample free time to go to the club and cover people in paint and tell them they need to have sex until it comes off what did you guys think of that scene where like during a party someone who was not a cannibal was just licking someone else's eyeball and then just pans to her like just dirtily sitting in the corner making some gross purr face and i was just like this is the worst thing ever i hate eyeballs one thing that i think makes this movie so creepy is that i think the cannibalism is almost not really implied in the same way that we are meant to just see them as carnivores because the people in this movie come across so animal-like like the way that she's sitting in the corner the licking of the mm-hmm. eyes like the overly closeness and touchy nature that feels almost like they're like chimpanzees grooming each other i feel like the people in this movie almost come across as animals also the fact that they eat a rabbit's heart and there still is like that separation of the animals mm-hmm. in this movie that they eat it's not like they were like oh go eat a dog leg there's still very much a taboo of like 
pets. And so I feel like the people in this movie almost fit into the animal kingdom in a way that it makes it almost like less taboo within the concept of the film, because we're not meant to interpret them them in the same way that we interpret like ourselves. They just feel like very animal-like. Oh, I just remembered her eating her sister's finger. That was so Oh, I didn't really mind that. The, t- the top three worst moments, I mean, I will be, to be fair, I covered my eyes for a lot of this and I was like, I'm sure the whole neighborhood heard me. I was fucking screaming <laughs> watching this movie. The parts that got me the worst was for sure the eyeball, for sure the first when she ate that finger because they could have reattached it. Yeah. I was mostly mad about that situation. And then there's one shot where she she's not eating meat yet and her body's having an adverse reaction and she's like itching Oh god, over. it was grotesque. And it was... It was the sound of the itching that, like, really got to me. They really did a good job. Like, this is a true blue body horror because her body is horrific with that rash. She's eating gross body parts, and then she's just, like, kind of you know a monster it was it was all very it it was very disturbing i thought it was a great film like it was a very good horror it was kind of like up there in the level of like scary that midsummer is there like it was just very deeply disturbing to me it masters the abject for sure i wonder if the directors are vegan or if they're vegetarian or if they're like carnivores like what is the message i read an interview of her basically like saying a lot of what we spoke about earlier about cannibalism through like different perspectives across cultures like it really is just dependent on your values and I think she was very much like pro-cannibal in that context being like you know it is something that's so tied to like us our body our sense of self she just kind of wanted to go down like a more she was like I, I was really inspired by like Cronenberg's you know body horror and really going quite like old school with it. But like you said in the beginning, Ty, like how it ties in femininity is just like chef's kiss. Love it. I think in this movie, like we kind of are interpreting them being like cannibalistic or carnivores in like more than just one sense because of the hazing ritual that is going on. And so it just feels like even the people that are older are perpetuating the system of like dog eat dog or an only survival of the fittest because if you can't hack it and eat this rabbit kidney like you shouldn't even be here and so it is like this predatory culture of forcing people to do things in order to fit like the mold of what is the fittest of what should be in the school and if they do differentiate from that then there is punishment there's social ostracization and so in a way it's still like this system of checks and balances I guess uh or even like a animal kingdom ranking of who's at the top and who's at the bottom that they have to abide by I was floored that the teachers were just allowing them to do this the professors were just allowing the hazing to take place like you have this girl walking in a class with a giant diaper or like the freshers have to dress like um really really like promiscuous that week and if you don't you get you have to put wear the diaper I was like if I walked in, it like if okay, if my uni had just walked into a lecture like dressed like that, and like all the first years walked in like, really super slutty, um, like the professor <laughs> I did would be that like anyway. <laughs> the amount of times I get called a slut on this podcast, <laughs> it's really like adding up, guys. What the hell? 
the professors I know would have been like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what kind of haze? Like, why was there no checks and balances system happening? But I think the professors had also been through the same system. That's why I was saying, like, it felt like everyone was a part of the system of, like, being like, you got to work your way here. You got to earn it or else you're not meant to be here. They They don't get new recruits. New hires? No. Hire outside. No. It seemed very nepotism because their their parents went through the exact same school. And I think even other people said like, oh, my parents went here as well. Like, it was very much like you had to know somebody to go there. And then the professors were like, we went through this, so you will too. So, yeah, it just seemed like a whole isolated different part of humanity in which they also were doing weird stuff. Again, licking eyeballs and stuff. This is not normal French behavior. people. Uh, you know when she's um, going to the nurse or the doctor about her rash and the nurse slash doctor goes on that sort of like tangent about the girl who like couldn't get treatment or couldn't get like blood taken because everyone was like calling her fat. And we also have that like sort of bulimia side comment when she's like just throwing up loads of hair and the girl's like use two fingers blah blah blah. Um, yeah. I don't know, like, I mean, certainly, I, maybe the bulimia, bulimia comment, like, might have just, like, fit in there more, uh, it might have gone, like, unnoticed, just in, like, a university narrative, but then, like, the nurse slash doctor's sort of weird story seemed like they were trying to add, like, another dimension of body horror. Yeah. Eating disorder. Know, like, the sister does say, like, oh, careful, you're going to get too skinny because she refuses to eat. And then when she does, like, go on these, like, frenzies, it is kind of like she's binge eating. And then she, yeah, it is very much like bulimia. Kind, it, Maybe it's, like, kind of a metaphor for bulimia. I want to see the scene in Twilight where, like, Bella gets a pregnancy craving and it, like, is at the fridge, like, gorging on, like, O negative or some shit. And I, uh, yeah, she did drink blood, too. Obviously, the vampires. Mm-hmm. Vampires. There's there's a lot of movies where like eating raw meat is like the signifier. Rosemary's of, Baby. Uh, changes changes to come. Yeah. People with people with sisters is wait. So that's just uh, that's just you, Ty, right? Yeah, I have a sister. Would you let your sister wax your vagina? Like I was floored by that. She only waxes my underarms, and then like I'll go wax my vagina. <laughs> I would, I would, if, if my sister knew how to do it, anybody who knows how to wax a vagina should do yeah, it. But, but your sister. She's not a professional. Like, if my sister was good at it, then yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But her sister in this was film not was good. clearly not good at it. I was, that was like also, that's another thing. Like this, the, the such like little moments in this film, which also were just like horrific body moments that had nothing to do with traditional mm-hmm. horror. That, it was just like, oh my God, a bad wax. I didn't yeah. even watch it. I knew it was happening and I was like, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> I can't believe no, that's you... the bit I couldn't watch. <laughs> this reminds me of like when we watched Midsummer. you were like, I can't believe they hit him on the back of the head. That was the worst part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, that was a dramatic hit on the back of the head to be fair. Yeah, but I would so much rather that than like <laughs> jumping, know, jumping from a cliff. To, off a cliff. I promise yeah. you, I wasn't comparing those two deaths at that time but as like i was saying i was like this is where like having a female horror director really like helps because like those little moments Mm -hmm. that like as a woman you could relate to like a bad wax which like things that have nothing to do with the horror that you can just throw in to even emphasize the body horror 
this is another fun fact from the movie that came from IMBD. But in the scene where Justine dances in front of the mirror and she's listening to the like gothic rap music, the band is actually made up of two sisters who rap about men in like a derogatory way. Yeah, I don't speak French, but I got that vibe. So I think that's interesting because her and her sister are like literally eating men. So it kind of feels like the same like metaphor of like becoming the predator in a society that is normally predatory towards women. That's interesting. I didn't, it's not even just a derogatory rap. It was full on like murder fantasy. So (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) I guess like carnal carnal desires being mixed with um, cannibalism, like quite literally, yeah. Like, it kind of linked, the opposite effect of that would be, like, linking vegetarianism with, like, virginity, because she was a virgin beforehand. Ooh. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, like, as- like association to make. Like, yeah. Like, c- just seeing as people say carnal desires and stuff like that in a sexual context, when they're, especially with, like, Christianity. Like, obviously, the whole, like, consumption part is sexual. But if mm-hmm. you think about, like, what is that like triangle of needs that human beings have? Oh yeah, hierarchy of needs. I feel like food and sex. Are those together <laughs> no, for you, no, Mila? No. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that. I'm saying that in terms of like primal <laughs> animalistic drive. <laughs> I think you crave them in the same way. <laughs> I'm saying if you think of the most like primal animalistic urges, people always you know be like you want to find food and you want to fuck. What about water? Water co- it comes under food. No, okay. it's not. People always say food and water. You always end up saying the most like accidentally sexual things. <laughs> You're like, I need two things: meat and pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need one thing: meat. <laughs> I'm gonna make. Wait, I have to make the meme. I'm so sorry. I have to make the new hierarchy of needs. <laughs> It's just a triangle with meat in it. (laughs) Actually, I don't know what I was trying to say. I think what I'm trying to say is that I'm not sure uh, that the consumption in this film, I don't think it's purely sexual. I think part of it is just a sort of like, it's meant to just be instinctual within like, you need to eat. I don't know, y'all. I feel like when I'm hungry, I can't interchangeably just go bang someone. Like if I'm hungry, I want to eat food. I think Raw is one of my faves that we've done, actually, now. I think, it just, but there's not a lot to say. It was just mm-hmm. good. It was very straightforward in the way that, like, there wasn't, like, a lot of stuff to, like, dissect the meaning behind. It was like, you you figured out, they gave you the answers to what you needed to know. But I like that. Like, we don't need another The Other Lamb scenario where, like, <laughs> dig for the meaning. Where is the meaning? Where is the plot? Like, style over substance. It's like, we we don't need to get too, like, fucking pretentious about it. Like, just, you can do a really great movie and be very, like, transparent about what you're doing. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to be our next Witch of the Week. We also have a TikTok and we hope you follow us there at The Monstrous Feminine for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out.